Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. How long has it been since you heard this? God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And should I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Cute little prayers. Uh, got some truth in them. Uh, they're easy to give to a young child and teach a young child. And it's cute when they do that. And we get them on uh, and a picture, especially on a video these days. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming most of us uh, don't consider these to be very consequential prayers that should be being prayed on and on and on, uh, because I'm guessing most of us have uh, left, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, uh, some time ago. And so, uh, and yet, even if we've uh, been walking with the Lord for a while, uh, many of us are a little tripped up about prayer. Uh, what is effective prayer? We want to pray effectively, but how do you do that? And there's a lot of things that maybe you haven't been taught or you, you've just picked up and assumed wrong, and it just really thwarts our effectiveness in prayer. And let me make a bold statement. God wants you to be effective in prayer. It's not meant to be a mystery. All right, and as I often say, Satan Satan is happy if he's not happy, but he'll concede if he loses you to God in salvation. So you're saved. You you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you're going to heaven when you die. But he will still attempt as much as possible to keep you unproductive in your Christian life. And one of those great ways is to make your praying of very little effect. And so um, today's message can be summed up really in three words, in three phrases, excuse me. And the three phrases are, go bold, no fear, no butter. What, you wonder? Yeah, that, that yellow stuff that you spread on toast, and you might call it margarine or butter substitute or whatever, but with that stuff. Go bold, no fear, no butter. All right, so let's, let's look at uh, one of the prime passages that tell us about how we are able to come to approach God and to pray, all right? So we're going to start in Hebrews 4, verse 14 says this, for we do not have, we believers, do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, if this is a familiar passage to you, that's probably of some comfort, and you've drawn uh, a lot of strength from that over the years. Uh, but if you are just encountering this the first time, not much church experience, you go, I know there's a lot for me to learn, <laughs> but now today I learned we need a high priest. I don't know what a high priest is. And so um, let me just 
pause here for a moment. Paul was addressing believers in Jesus, uh, uh, Jewish believers spread around the country somewhere, and we don't know exactly to where he was preaching. In fact, we don't even know for sure that it was Paul. Some, some surmise that it was, but here's the deal. The person writing this said to the Jewish um, uh, congregants, um, you believe in Jesus, that's great, but I need you to remember some stuff. I need you to remember something, because there was, a, there was always this temptation to, you know, Jesus said he was going to come back. He hasn't come back yet. Um, maybe we should go and convert back to Judaism. Maybe we're not going to be Christians anymore. Uh, maybe it's time to give this stuff up. And, and, and the writer here says, no, 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 no. Now, we all know that priests, he says to them, their duty is to represent the people of God before God. And so uh, once a year, the, the high priest would go into the most holy of holies place in, in the uh, temple, the tabernacle, and he would offer sacrifices, all kinds. There were all kinds of rules and regulations for doing this correctly. But the goal was to absolve all the people of their sins from the past year, including his own. So he had to go. He had to do this every year. It was a messy, gory, <laughs> long process, and it had to be repeated. And, and he's making the case in the entirety of Hebrews 1 through, 11, through um, 10, particularly, all those chapters that, hey, I need you to get this. Yes, there's a correlation to who we are that comes from things taught in what we, all of us now call the Old Testament, in the Jewish way of doing things. That was a precursor to what now exists. Uh, Moses, when he was alive, folks... He's speaking to these Hebrews. Yes, there was a covenant given to you, a way by which the rules upon which you should relate to God and how he's going to relate to you. And, and the high priests were part of that duty. But now there has come Jesus, which is the high priest we have now, and we're not the, we don't call him a high priest, but he's speaking to these people who have a tie, and he's drawing a correlation with something they understand. Jesus now has become our high priest uh, because he once and for all died and paid a penalty for all of our sins, and that work now is done. Those who believe on him have salvation and uh, forgiveness of sins, both now and for the sins you commit in the future. But here's the deal. This is a high priest who, unlike other high priests, knows exactly how every one of you feel exactly all at the same time. And the work he did, the offering of sacrifice, his life, is done one time, and there's no need for anything else. So, we have a high priest, he said, who is, who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet we do not, yet he did not sin. The high priests in those days, uh, they had to offer sacrifices, which include sacrifice for their own sins, because they also were human. Uh, Jesus came uh, on this earth, and he lived a sinless Life. He gave up his divinity for a period of time to come and live a sinless life here. Because he was able to do that as a human being, but he had the spirit without limit. We have the spirit with limit. So, this is a better way, he says to these Hebrews. I understand you, you, you get some of this. I need you to now to get that 
the chapter's changed. And so, he says in Hebrews 4.16, so let us, let believers now, approach God's throne, God the Father, the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help us in our time of need. Well, weird words, because you don't go and approach God, you approach the priests who go to God for you, is what the Hebrews understood. And he says, not so. We have a different high priest. It's Jesus because of what he did. Here's the deal. You can approach. You can go. You are permitted. You are allowed. You are invited to come to God, to his throne, the place where theoretically he exists. His presence, the issue is, so that you may receive. <laughs> You're going to get something. It's worth going. It's worth going. You may receive grace. You may see mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Now, uh, many of you have heard this description before, but the definition of mercy is the withholding of punishment or retribution or bad that we have earned, that we deserve. And so the... Uh, elementary age child goes into the kitchen and sees the cookie jar up on the cookie on the counter. Uh, the one that mom just said a half hour ago, do not eat cookies out of this jar because we're going to have supper soon, lunch soon, whatever the meal might be. And so he goes, hungry, seeing the temptation, reaches up, gets a cookie, and doing so also breaks the cookie jar on the floor. So he's got two strikes against him, and he knows someone's going to pay <laughs> when mom finds out, and it's going to be him. Now, what if mom comes in and says, oh, I know you were hungry. You told me that an hour ago, and I'm, I've been doing other things, and it's okay. We'll clean it up. Now, sometimes that's not what she says. <laughs> All right? You might recall. But... Um, but if that is her response, that she has given mercy, all right? So we can go to the God and get mercy. Oh, Lord, <laughs> I did not want to do that, but I did it again. I'm so sorry. And we're not cast from his presence. We're not banned to the bedroom. We're not banned out of the house. We're not told to leave the family. We're given Mercy. Now, grace, on the other hand, is somewhat similar. It's getting goodness that you did not earn, did not deserve. So we all know that um, even though this little child thinks so, when, when, when they go to grandma's and grandma says, hey, you want a cookie? It's not because they earned it. It's because grandma's soft. No, 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 no. Uh, it's because grandma loves and just likes to give good things. Grace. So we can, as a believer, approach the throne of grace where God is at with confidence so that we can receive mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need. 
And our time of need actually is the, the expense of our life. All right? It's not a one-time thing, as both of us know. So it's always great and comforting to me when you find these truths, but when they are reiterated in another time, in another place in Scripture, then you know this wasn't just in Hebrew, something that slipped out of the author's pen and got somehow in the Bible, and God wished it hadn't. All right. So in Ephesians 3.12 says this, this is Paul writing, in Jesus Christ our Lord, and actually it says in him, but the verse previous uh, notes we're talking about Jesus Christ our Lord. So in Jesus Christ our Lord and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence, with boldness. So thus for we say, go bold to God's throne. All right. But what what does boldness um, entail? For most of us, it entails uh, an understanding of two things. Number one, we can approach the throne of grace. We can go to God in prayer without fear. No fear. No fear. You know, a lot of people uh, are put off by praying. They don't pray. They're stopped by praying. And if you really get right down to it, it's because they're afraid to pray. I mean, I don't know if if God cares. Uh, I'm afraid he does not. What I've heard is he's a killjoy. His his most, uh, I mean, have you read the Old Testament? Sometimes he's really mad. And so what he really does most of the time is, is, is he's just looking for you to screw up so he can point it out and make you feel miserable. So you don't do that again. Besides, maybe he remembers what I did last yesterday. He doesn't want to talk to me. I am afraid what he'll say or do. And for some of us who go, you know, I think there's some right words, some magic words to go to God. And I don't know what those words, does anyone know what those words are? And so we're afraid to go. You know, it's a little bit like uh, uh, my family's a big baseball family. We, we, we love baseball, at least most of us. Our oldest child was uh, Caleb. He was a, a pitcher uh, growing up. I coached most of his little league teams. It was an awesome time. Um, he went on, he was a starting pitcher for West High and, uh, at Mount Mercy College, but then ultimately at uh, University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. And, and, and had some good success. We love baseball. There was a, we love, I love, that the World Series is on right now. It's all cool and everything. And uh, if you don't, um, I do. So um, uh, we, one day while he was in high school, I, I, th- there were little games going on at the Diamond uh, and Penn Park in North Liberty. It was a fourplex at that point, still only four fields, a lot more than that now. But I just wanted to go see I just wanted to see what the talent was like these days. And so, so I went, I sat down behind field number two. I sat in the little bleacher, the five, five uh, level bleacher. And I sat up on row five, the top five. And, and um, very shortly after that, I noticed that someone took a seat down here to the left of me. It was not very full at all. And it was uh, Tanya Alford, 
who was the uh, wife of then head basketball coach Steve Alford at the University of Iowa. Now, this is not about what you thought about Steve Alford's coaching or uh, persona or any of that kind of stuff. This is about, uh, okay, there she is. Okay, you know who she is. She's not on TV all the time, but I knew who that was. And she uh, is watching one of their sons play baseball in that field. And lo and behold, not long after that, coach arrives. And he sits down there, too, uh, a seat behind her. And uh, I take notice, you know. This is Steve Alford out in, in public, <laughs> sitting very close to me. Um, and so uh, the question, do you talk to Steve Alford? <laughs> Acknowledge him, the debate begins. See, I had heard through some very dependable people who knew him and um, uh, some reading I had done already that he was a believer. And so I just wanted to say, you know, uh, hi, Steve, I'm Wayne Hefner. <laughs> uh, no, I wanted to say, uh, hey, I'm praying for you. I know you, uh, you're in the spotlight all the time. Thanks for what you're doing. Uh, but then I, then I thought, mm, doesn't everybody want to talk to Steve Alford? Doesn't he get harassed all the time? I mean, he's here to watch his family. This is family time. But in this time, while I'm debating all these things, a number, uh, several of his players came, this was in the summer, came, dropped by the ball field, talked to coach. Coach was on the phone some. And uh, I am thinking, do I? I'm here to watch a baseball game, but I'm watching <laughs> Coach Alford. And in my mind, weighing, do I speak to him? So the way I settled it was I boldly kept my thoughts to myself. I didn't say a thing. Isn't that like how I was with famous people or maybe with God? I don't want to look silly. I don't want to look stupid. There's probably some right words and wrong. I don't know how this works. I'm afraid I will mess it up. So we don't go. Go bold. No fear. Because fear, going with fear, would look something like this. So my 10-year-old son, he comes to me and says, Dad, I want to throw the baseball. Can we go in the backyard and throw baseball? And, uh, uh, but he knows he cannot come to me uh, right out. He has to be afraid of me which would be silly, but it would be like this. So a little imagination. This is God. This is the father. This is, this is the father. And this is a 10-year-old boy who wants to throw baseball with dad. Now, a little imagination. This is the father. Maybe not so much imagination as a 10-year-old child, all right? So uh, uh, he wants to ask dad to throw baseball. So he uh, goes like this. Now, I regret some of you maybe had a, a father or a parental uh, person in your life that you were afraid of. But this is God. He's not like that. You do not have to be afraid to go to him. He's your friend. 
He's my friend. Now, I believe with being uh, a very respectful and worshipful in God's presence, but my son never had to come and say, uh, um, you know, it took me three hours to actually get the nerve up, Dad, but would you be um, willing to consider going to the backyard with me? Go bold, no fear. The other side of this is... Uh, Some of us go, or think we have to go, with butter. So, uh, I get this idea that, uh, I know you can go to God, but but, but my impression is that you have to to prime him (laughs) a little bit. You have to set him up. You have... uh, um, um, you have to butter him up so that he'll be willing to listen to you. So, the 10-year-old son wants to go throw baseball, and this time he's coming to dad like this. Oh, great dad. Oh, wonderful dad. Oh, the greatest dad in the world. Oh, do you know, all my friends think you are the best dad. They wish you would be their dad. I know, but you're my dad. And you are so awesome, awesome. Could you throw baseball with me? The most awesome dad in North Liberty. (laughs) Now, I'm all for being very respectful towards God and being reverent in worship. But he is our friend, okay? He wants to talk to you. That's what prayer is. It's nothing more mysterious than talking to God. We make it so mysterious. It's nothing more than you speaking to God and God speaking back. Sometimes you'll get impressions. Uh, something will jump out of the scripture that is just right what you needed. Some, he will send someone across your path, and it's for the purpose of, of, of uh, affirming something you're already thinking. They say this, and you go, oh, Hey, interesting. Thank you, Lord. That's exactly what I needed to hear. That's the confirmation I needed. So, he wants to speak to you. Go bold, no fear, no butter. Okay? Now, what I know, though, is uh, we get hung up on some things. And there are some things that a lot of people, no matter how long you walk with God, you have a couple of questions about. These are clouds of confusion that really thwart our effectiveness in, in prayer. Just a couple of them I'm going to go to. Uh, maybe you're tripped up with, who do I pray to? I don't really know. Do I pray to God? Is it to Jesus? Is it to the Holy Spirit? Who, who, uh, who am I supposed to pray to? Well, let's do this first, and this is the most complicated dynamic in all of Christianity, and that is the concept of the Trinity. But it's this, that uh, there's only one God. Three dynamics, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But there's only one God. So, I would tell you, if you are praying to God, if you're praying to either one of the three, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's who you address, you're praying to God. And they don't get confused. They can figure it out. You know what? They're okay. All right. Now, I would say this, however. Uh, we're told in John uh, chapter 16 by Jesus himself, he says this, and this might really uh, embolden some of you. In that day when I'm no longer here, you will no longer ask me, Jesus, anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father himself will give you whatever you ask in my name. 
Oh, by the way, that didn't just slip out of my mouth. Three verses later. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came from God. We can pray straight to the Father. Dear God, I am in great need of. Thank you in Jesus' name. Now, Jesus' name, that phrase is not a magic formula either, except for what's behind it. We say in Jesus' name, many of us, when we pray, uh, simply as a reminder, first to us, I have the right to ask. I have the right to go to the Father on the basis of what Jesus did. And we're told this in Hebrews and other, I can just go. This is all right for me to ask of God directly. All right. And it's also an announcement to the forces of hell who are trying to persuade you not to take this up with the God who could do something about it. And his attack against you is, uh, uh, no, don't do that. Uh, he doesn't want to hear from you right now. Uh, and your announcement is, yes. <laughs> he asked me to come, and I have a right to come. I'm coming. And so it's go bold, no fear, no butter, and I can pray to God. However I do that, the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, my prayer is going through. All right? So, another confusion. What is the point of having to be so persistent in prayer? You know, I hear, I, I hear some people praying the same thing for a long period of time. And, 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 you know, I've heard messages about ask, seek, knock, ask, 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 seek, 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 knock, 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 keep doing it, keep doing it, don't stop, don't stop until the prayer comes through. And you go, geez, why do I have to cajole God into answering my prayer? If I cajole long enough, might I actually convince him to do something he wasn't otherwise inclined to do? Well, that would be bad. No, you cannot cajole God into doing something against his will. That's not possible. So when prayer is involved in persistent prayer, what's going on? Well, there's two things going on. One is, uh, we looked at this two weeks ago. Uh, God is working always within us to refine our faith, our confidence in him. And our confidence is proved, and persistent confidence is proved by our long-term willingness to stand and believe that God still is on the throne, still in control, even though as of yet, there's no evidence in this situation that he is. The answer hasn't come yet. But we still pray. We still, we still seek. We still seek, uh, ask. We still not. But the persistence is God working his character in our heart. Because perseverance has a work. It must complete before you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything in this phase of your life. First John, excuse me, James uh, 1.4. Okay. And the other thing is about this resistance factor. Uh, Jesus says, uh, the kingdom of God is advancing, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But they still try. So you remember in Daniel chapter 10, if you've read that before, we alluded to it um, previously, Daniel prays, and uh, 21 days later, an angel shows up in front of him and says, I just want you to know, Daniel, uh, the answer's here, but... Um, uh, it, it was actually on its way the moment you prayed. But 
There was a, a demonic angel uh, running interference trying to stop me, and it took that long to get through. Now, Jesus is never going to lose that battle. God is never going to lose that battle. But for whatever purpose, he allows the resistance of the kingdom sometimes, therefore triggering our need for persistence wherein he does a deeper work of confidence and trust in our life. Okay? So, uh, the other thing. There's confusion about, um, do I have to pray, uh, if it be your will, after every prayer? I don't, in every prayer, I need to add the, the words, uh, if it be your will. I don't know what your will is sometimes, so uh, I always pray, if it be your will. Um, and no, you don't have to do that. Just pray the will of God as you know it. And we'll talk about knowing the will of God in just a moment. As you know it. Just pray it. Go bold. Go bold. Uh, the whole uh, about the will of God comes primarily from this passage in James a little bit later that um, uh, some people were being corrected. You, sh- you should not say, tomorrow I'm going this and I'm going to do that. We're going to take care of this and we're going to overtake this and this is business. We're going to, we're going to earn this much money and all that kind of stuff. It was about living. It wasn't about prayer. It was about a presumptuous life orientation that assumed God wasn't a part of any of this. So you should have, you should say, he said, at least in attitude, we're going to do all that uh, if it be God's will if we're still around. <laughs> but you don't have to tag that onto every prayer. I don't know how it ever came to be, actually. But, but, but it's a sorrowful thing because it makes us, it, it puts a little bit of a doubt in us. About, I, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> I could be wrong here, God. And that's true, but you don't have to say that for him to know that you know you could be wrong. Okay? So, uh, you don't have to pray that. Uh, the other thing is, um, uh, I don't know God's will, so how in the heck do I pray God's will? I would pray confidently because conf- uh, clarity brings confidence, but I don't know God's will. Well, we have the general will of God and the specific will of God. The general will of God, um, uh, you should not have sex before marriage. The specific, that's, that's all in there and lots of other stuff. The specific will of God, um, but who am I to marry? That's not in there. Is it this person? Oh, man, they're both beautiful. Uh, both are smart. Both love Jesus. Uh, obviously, you don't just pick one and go get married immediately. But uh, you understand what I'm saying. You have to pray specifically for God's will in those situations because you don't know. Should I take this job or should I not? Should we move? Uh, should I buy this house? Should I not buy this house? I'm, not, I'm uncertain. And in those situations, um, if, it, if it's not clarity, you ask God for wisdom. James 1, 4. Uh, James 4, again, wisdom, and if you don't have it, you talk to some other people, you're not quite sure, uh, godly people to help instruct you, and in the bottom line, if you're uncertain about God's will, but you need to make a decision by Friday whether you're going to take the job or not, then you can rely on the scripture that says, God gives us the desires of our heart. And if we're honest before God and we're trying to figure out what his will is to do the thing that's best, He's not going to trick us into doing something else. So it's easy to simply say, okay, on Thursday, God, this is what I'm going to do. Unless between now and then, you make it clear to me that I should not. Okay? Doesn't have to be complicated. Okay? Um, 
And uh, so that brings us to this point then. How do we pray boldly where you are right now? And I'm going to suggest two things. Where you are, your situation right now, two things. One has to do with you specifically, and one has to do with uh, people around you. Number one, specifically, what is the thing that you need from God right now? God, restore my marriage. By the way, I pray, I pray, this is trite in comparison to what I just said, but every time I go into a parking lot, every time I go into a parking lot, especially if it's a place like Walmart or something, say, Lord, I need a parking space. And he knows I mean a good parking space. <laughs> and you, you actually be shocked how many times I get a very good parking space. Now, not always, because I think God has seen what I ate for lunch. I said, nobody, you need to walk a little bit. <laughs> Lord, restore my marriage. Lord, make my heart, make, 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 make my husband's heart soft towards me again. Lord, help me not allow those words of anger to rocket out of my mouth. What do you need right now? Is it wisdom about something? A pretty big life decision? Thinking about changing your major? You need to declare a major? Any other thing? Um, now, let's move. So I'm going to say, go bold. Go bold. Ask God. This is what I need. In Jesus' name, I'm asking for... Okay? As long as you need to ask that until you've got direction, better direction than you have now about, about what to do about that. And, and the last thing is, uh, many of us have just completed the study, um, Life on Mission. And we, were, we, we watched uh, the videos of Tim Harlow and discussed those things. In the last video, it was about prayer. And uh, the, the uh, um, encouragement was for us to pray for the salvation of people. Some people, you know, <laughs> that their biggest need is for Jesus to be their Savior. So, watch this. Luke 10.02 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into the field. And obviously, we're asking for Him to send us, but we're also asking for Him to send anybody and everybody. Okay? You may have a loved one. Uh, you may have somebody that, that is someone else that you're praying for, and God needs to send a harvester to them because you're not there. One way or another, we need to pray. So at 10.02 every day, here's what we're going to do. You're going to set your watch, you know, set your smartphone, do something for 10.02. Put a little note in there. It just says time to pray, whatever. 10.02 in the morning, 10.02 in the evening, it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe both, okay? At 10.02, when that alarm goes off, then you can stop and think, okay, I'm asking the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Hopefully, it'll encourage you to remember that you're on a mission, and it's also the best way to invite our partner, the power, into this whole idea. All right, so this is actually pretty simple. And so uh, you refer to Luke 10.02, and I'm referring to that way on purpose. It says, therefore, uh, the harvest is plentiful, uh, 
the people needing salvation, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And so the admonition, the invitation was forced, and some of us are doing this, uh, to set an alarm at 10.02 for every day. As a reminder to ask God to send out people who are willing to share faith with others who need that. And so I have an alarm that went off today at 10.02, right the, um, uh, so an hour and a half ago. Uh, mine is in the morning. You can do the morning, evening. You can do them both, whatever the case might be. And so uh, I pray that. It's helpful if you just uh, uh, even um, memorize the first, but... Just, Lord, send out harvesters into this harvest field in my Jerusalem, right where I live. Okay? And I also have a name that I'm including with that of someone specific that I'm looking uh, for salvation to come to, that I pray. And so, you know, what did that take? 30 seconds? Less? Uh, you can pray more if you've got the time or able to. But it's just a reminder. Pray. Make a focus about something beyond you. A bold focus for people to be brought to Jesus. Okay? So, here's the bottom line. <clears throat> Go bold. No fear. No butter. <laughs>